La-dee-da, the Duchess of Flatbush herself. How'd you like to have this phone wrapped around your ear, wise guy? It's more like it, sister. You'll be all right now. I know it's working! <laughs> Welcome to Doubled Feature, podcast by Twin Films. I'm Dan. I'm Matt. Welcome to uh, Doubled Feature. <laughs> Did neither weird. of us have anything ready to go up top? No. Oh, shit. It's going to be a weird episode. We're recording not at our normal times. Yeah. It's Sunday right very now. Very different Lord, energy. It's the Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. We should Sh- be resting. Shouldn't be here. But we, we spit on the idea. Of rest? Yeah. I like the idea of rest. No, I stay up. I, I, st- I stay working. I was trying to lay quietly in my bed, and you said, no, we got to do this. Well, I mean, I was playing Elden Ring. I broke down. I was going to wait a couple weeks to buy it. Got vacation coming up. But I said, nah, I'll get it now. Yeah. And, say, uh, say anything about the game. It's great so far. I mean, I played maybe two hours. And I've just done a lot of walking around. I fought some bosses, did some stuff, saw some crabs. That was cool. Crabs were cool. Talked to some guys. One guy's dressed up like Santa Claus. That's cool. He's not Santa Claus, though. He's just a guy. Looks like Santa Claus. Um, Yeah. I have some more later, I guess. Have some more what? Thoughts, comments, concerns. Oh. Just to put out there. <laughs> That'll be good content. Right? <laughs> I don't know. You've been watching anything? Yeah, I watched. Um, it's a little while ago, but low fucking energy. I'm not even done with my coffee yet. In the last uh, episode, I had some more stuff, but uh, watched the Night of the Hunter for the first time. Since figured I'd talk some old timey movies or old timey movies. Since we're talking some old timey movies, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. My favorite part was when they're on the river. And you can see, like, the camera's, like, on the bank of the river. And then there's just a frog in the foreground. Your favorite part was there was a frog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Robert Mitchum plays a conniving, uh, smooth-talking man of God. Infiltrates a family for uh, their father's hidden fortune. Yeah. Uh, evil guy. He's got really cool hand tattoos. Say love, Say love and, hate. and hate. Yeah. Kills the mom. <coughs> Kids escape down the river. There's a frog. Mm-hmm. They meet an old lady. The the main boy, it really sidetracked me a lot when I watched that movie about a year ago because he looks exactly like uh, Jacob Tremblay, hmm. who's like a modern child actor, <laughs> but they look the same. But do you think this is like maybe like a Keanu Reeves situation where people just be like, thinking Keanu Reeves is like a French actor from the 1600s or some shit. No, I just think two white boys look alike. They both also kind of look like um, they both also kind of look like uh, Arthur's sister, D.W. (laughs) Dude, Arthur got canceled. Oh my god, what did he say? (laughs) Well, no, it's not canceled. I think they just ended the show. Because the rat was gay? Yeah. I I don't know. Is that a thing? Yes. Oh. The rat, I don't know. No, the, the teacher is a rat got gay married. In the final episode? No. Or just in general? At some point. Oh. Okay. I don't know. 
It made a lot of buzz because I think people were mad. Well, were just, happy about it. I know that the show came to an end last week or something like that. Oh. So Twitter was posting a bunch about it because they did the final episode was all of them, like all grown up. And uh, DW is a cop now. <laughs> and then I saw, I just saw some funny thing. I was like, this is great long-term storytelling because they, and then they posted screenshots to an episode where DW failed a class. Mm. That's good. You know, cause cops are dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was an episode that I remember I had the book too, where DW didn't want to eat spinach hmm. and then they trick her eating, into eating spinach. How do they do and that? She likes it. They like put it in a pie <laughs> and then she liked it. And, uh, I and thought it was great. And they make some spinacopita. Yeah. <laughs> they made a spinacopita. <laughs> I love them spinacopita. I do too. I get a fucking Trader Joe's. I get mm-hmm. the little corners of spinacopita i feel like i'm at a wedding one of the classic hors d'oeuvres you're served at happy hour <laughs> uh cocktail hour do you like crab cake do you like when you eat them at home do you I put them on a little toothpick i walk around with them i was on gonna say plate. yeah do you yeah. do you put them on little toothpicks and walk around on it with a tray yeah. dressed as wait staff yeah. but you got like one of the you got like that thing going the on where like my arm you got a like it's like a half shirt kind of thing so like half your body is the weight staff do you mean a vest no 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 like you think like you outfits and like an outfit where like Crop one top? side of the outfit is oh, one thing and the other like side a two-faced situation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you do two-face yourself a as a waiter situation yeah man whatever yeah and i do other, that and then the other part of you is like what you would wear to a wedding on when you're doing a two-face i think it's all one garment just, I guess in my mind I was picturing if it was half tuxedo and half naked, and I wouldn't. I I don't see how that would stay on. Why? Why would you you'd be naked? That's what's in my mind. I don't know. That's how I do it at home when I'm eating spanakopita. <laughs> the fuck is this episode? You been watching? Any, yeah. What? Yeah. Anything else about Night of the Hunter? Uh it was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm glad uh, I finally watched it. Classic movie. Yeah. Um, what late? 50s ish probably mid 50s 55 yeah so a little bit predates our two movies from for today by a little bit but no it was good um i like apparently they did like a remake at some point was it like maybe like a made for tv thing i can't remember i looked it up when i watched it a couple weeks ago and the, uh the, the day of the hunter no it's still called night of the hunter or something like i, I think but they shouldn't um, make another one yeah, a lot of people were basically just like, why does this exist? Hey, you what know what? It? I'm saying they shouldn't make another one, but they made another one of one of our movies for this week, and it's great. It's better. Yeah, but that's like a, a case where like, if, if you're going to do a remake, really like, change it. Don't just go in there and do like the fucking shot-for-shot shot shit just to update it for no fucking reason, especially if it's like already a classic. Um. Like really get in there and make it your own if you're going to try and revisit one of these old movies or something. movie that's primed to be uh, remade is a movie I watched the other day. It's from 1984. It's called White Fire. Yeah, you think they're going to remake White Fire? They should. Um, this has been on my watch list for a while. It's like a classically recognized like good-bad movie. The likes of... Uh, which a favorite, a seen. favorite of ours, Miami Connection. Yep. Um, 
it's an action movie, so it's not like quite like the room, but I mean, general vibe. Uh, incredible film. It's it's in French, but it takes place in Istanbul for some reason. And our main characters are a brother and sister who want to fuck each other really bad. And then and they're like heisting diamonds. And they hear about the legendary diamond called White Fire. And there's two original songs that play. One about the White Fire and one about how much the siblings love each other. Can you sing them? Uh, no. But the oh. one of them just kind of goes, White Fire! A lot. And it honestly rips. Um, but then the sister dies and... Uh, <laughs> the brother who is distraught finds a lady who looks almost exactly like his sister and then has her get plastic surgery to make her look exactly like his sister. And then the original actress comes back out and starts playing the character again. Um, man, it's a really fucking good movie, dude. You couldn't follow anything at all. Didn't really make any sense. There's just extra characters. Like at some point there's a, cop who's evil who shows up um to uh to chase the girl who turned herself into the sister and it didn't really know why he showed up it's the it's the black guy from from dusk till dawn fred williamson yeah wouldn't don't know why he's in it the main character's name is played by the actor robert ginty who i've seen in uh warriors of the lost world i think it's called which is a pretty classic uh mst3k episode now what is his character's name what is the main character's name so his name is mike in the movie but multiple like the synopsis of the movie his name is Bo, and i don't know why that is is that what you're asking about yeah his character's name is mike people call him mike nobody calls him Bo at all i don't know where that comes he's from. listed on imdb as boris Bo donnelly um at the beginning of the movie, they're fleeing from Russia. I think it's Russia. And, uh, like, Russian guys kill their parents. And then they get saved by a guy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's never brought up that his name's not Mike. It's Boris, and he's assumed <laughs> the name Mike. Cause, uh, yeah, his name's Mike. That's wild. <laughs> I gotta watch this. It did. It's so good. The cover of the movie is wielding a chainsaw, which he like kind of picks up as an improvised weapon and uses in one scene, but it makes it seem like he's a chainsaw action hero. It's me, the chainsaw guy. <laughs> uh, great, great stuff, man. I can't recommend White Fire 1984 enough. It's you might be able to find it on YouTube or something. Honestly, I didn't check, but um, damn, definitely recommend. God, he made himself a sister. He could fuck it. It's so insane. <laughs> um, yeah, it's available to rent on a couple places. Um, I'm sure you can just find downloads for it too. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's on Prime. Mm. There you go. And Tubi. Ooh. Love Tubi. <laughs> it's got little ads in it. Max, we're not really getting anywhere here. Let's just move into our movies. Yeah, that's fine. You got any more important what you've been watching? No, I'll save some more. Our energy's too damn low for this. <laughs> we got to start busting stuff out. We're talking about two movies from 1958 and 59 about uh, people being transformed into giant insects. Buzz, buzz. Yeah. 
Bug movies are back on the menu, boys. That's right. Uh, um, I'll go first. Yeah. yeah, we've got The Fly and The Wasp Woman. Yeah, The Respect. Fly, 1958, directed by Kurt Newman, starring Al Hedison, Patricia Owens, Vincent Price, and Herbert Marshall. Francois receives a call from his sister-in-law, Helene, that she has killed her husband, Andre. They find his body destroyed in a hydraulic press, and though she admitted to the crime, provides no motive and begins acting weird. She is persuaded by Francois to tell him and the detective the circumstances around the death. Andre has been working on a matter-transporting device, and after some fine-tuning, is able to transport a guinea pig. Andre tries the machine on himself, but a fly in the transporter at the time... Of, but a fly, a fly was in the transporter. It flew in. Uh, <laughs> and their DNA is jumbled up, giving Andre the head and arm of a man-sized fly. His humanity starting to fade and his ability to reason diminishing, Andre has Helena crush his fly head and arm in the hydraulic press. In the present, the inspector declares her criminally insane. At the last minute, Helena's son tells the men he found the strange fly they've been looking for. It's got Andre's head and arm and is screaming for help from a spider. The inspector smashes it with a rock. Since the inspector has now committed the same crime as Helena, they decide to call the death a suicide and live happily ever after. The movie had an incredibly low three hundred twenty-five to $495,000 budget, made $3 million at the box office, uh, I guess too old for Metacritic, couldn't find a rating there. Um, whenever something shares the name with something else, it becomes impossible to find on Metacritic. Metacritic like, their search is awful. We should just stop using that. Why do we even use it? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, the search feature just doesn't work just if something has the same name. Like- um, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 95 critic and 71 user rating. All right. Also, we watched The Wasp Woman from 1955, directed by podcast alumnus Roger Corman. Welcome back to the pod. He's back, baby. Starring Suzanne, Suzanne, Susan Cabot, Anthony Isley, Babora Morris, and Michael Mark. Dr. Eric Zinthrop, Mark, gets fired from his job at a honey farm for liking wasps too much. Luckily for him, cosmetics company owner and face person Janice Starling, Cabot, is feeling old and watching profits drop. Starling hires Zinthrop to help discover a new de-aging serum based on his research on wasp royal jelly after she sees it turn a guinea pig into a rat. Starling impatiently starts doing human trials on herself despite Zinthrop's warnings and then again rushes the process, giving herself more than the recommended dose um, after the effects don't come fast enough. The overdose of royal jelly turns Starling into a hideous wasp woman, and she kills a lot of people, eating them, until Zinthrop hits her with some acid, and she falls to her death out a window. Uh, I also could not find a Metacritic, but it has a Rotten Tomatoes critic rating of 45 and an audience score of 24. Uh, There was no gross, because this was actually like a TV movie Mm. that Corman did, and uh, it had an estimated budget of only 50000 yeah, that seems right. Which is hard to tell because the Wasp Woman just looks so damn good. <laughs> the makeup on just it is so, so incredible. Just so clearly wearing a hat and gloves. Um, yeah, it's it's just a helmet, like a wasp, yeah. vaguely wasp helmet. Like you can see her neck under that. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. If, a lot of people, if you don't watch this movie, please at least just look up, just do a Google image search of what the Wasp Woman looks like. It's good. <laughs> a lot of people are on, people on Letterboxd are just like kind of running with this theory. It seems like of that 
it never actually turns her into a wasp. She's just a crazy person that found a wasp's costume and started killing people. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I should um, also mention that the part of the synopsis where we, we kind of, or early on in the movie where we see Zenthrop working at this honey farm and then he gets fired was actually a prologue that they shot without Corman because the studio and uh, everyone involved kind of started getting worried that the runtime was too short for television because mm-hmm. even with the prologue, it's only an hour and six minutes long. It uh, it really wastes some time with that prologue. There's a lot yeah. of it's just the guy silently wandering around near the bees. So I didn't know exactly what this movie was. I figured this was the kind of like the golden age schlock they would turn out, where like this I mean, would show yeah. at a drive-in before the movie you came to see or something like that. It but was part of a double TV feature. TV makes sense as well. It it was part of a double feature, I think, that showed at drive-ins and stuff like this, that. This was in Corman's like golden age, just churning him out career. Yep. This was his fourth year as a director and is his twenty second movie in that time. Yeah, he was just um, doing all these kind of uh schlocky B sci fi horror movies, monster movies. Yeah exploitation the, stuff kind of Which is what he continues to do, but he kind of found his niche for it a bit better and he starts was kind of making movies more on his own terms um but yeah but so at, the, at the his, time he's like studio of guys who he uh mentors and everything he's making movies called attack of the crab monsters swamp women yeah the beast with a million eyes the kinds of movies that don't really exist war that, of the satellites that someone would be like a teenager would be up late watching in a different movie, but isn't real. It's 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 the stuff that you see on shows like MST3K or Elvira or like Sven Gulli, where it's just these old, really schlocky, shitty movies that are fun to watch because they're goofy and silly and by like today's it, standards. He, he follows this up with uh, Bucket of Blood um, a year later, which is when you kind of start. I mean, he's had a style the whole time, but he starts seeing like what we think of as his movies, and then um, a year later does uh, House of Usher, and starts doing the Poe movies with Vincent Price. Little Shop and- of Horrors comes uh, a year later as well. The movie I really want to watch is She Gods of Shark Reef. Yeah, I I don't even know. I just yeah. want that's just a m- name of a movie I want to see. We um. I mean, while we're given this like context, uh, Kurt Newman, the guy who directed uh, the other movie, The Fly, um, he's doing similar stuff. He was making like he made like ten Tarzan movies and yeah, big Tarzan go- guy. Golden Newman. Golden Age directors just like so. What I talk about sometimes, where like these guys weren't making movies; they were making pictures. Like, yeah, yeah. we got to get a wasp picture out. We need a t- we need another one of your hit Tarzan pictures. Well, and then conversely, though, for kind of the the fly is at the end of Newman's career. He was a, he was pre-code stuff in the 30s um and had been making movies for nearly 30 years by the time that he had done the fly. Um whereas Corman was like <laughs> just getting started and they're they're running the same racket. Just, just getting started 22 movies in. Yeah. <laughs> But but truly, but I mean that's a lot of those like, 
and I mean, from my understanding is a lot of these guys worked specifically for the studios. Like studios had directors. They were just like, that's what I'm saying. They're like, yeah, Roger, you got to get us a wasp picture. We need, we need something about wasp. Why don't you have a big scary wasp monster? Chomping, chomping a cigar. They just had these like movies ready to go. We're just turning them out. They're like, Roger Corman, here's your next movie. It's not Mm -hmm. like today where like directors shop around or studio, you know, or we're, approaching freelance guys for specific reasons right. or like directors have scripts that they're shopping out or, I know, mean those guys them. exist but there's like yeah they yeah. tours forming um like Hitchcock's making movies and stuff there's other good guys but um yeah there's the opening titles uh there's good dramatic music playing I did note that it's over footage of bees not wasps yeah <laughs> But then Recur- we open recurring image in this movie is bees, is bees. and then we <laughs> that's we, what's easily accessible. At least with the I opening guess. credits, it uh, we open on a bee farm. Yeah. Now, which did you? I the version I watched was like a colorized version. Oh, mine was black because it was just what I found, and the colorization was not very good. Yeah, mine was black and white. Um, I didn't know there was a colorized. Uh, most I of mine was black watched, and white too. I would probably would have watched black and white over colorized. Yeah, it's just but, what I had. Yeah. Um but yeah, the colorization just to comment on that for a moment was uh, Um once we get out of the prologue which is all outdoors and people's faces obscured by bee suits, like beekeeper suits or whatever, uh then it kind of gets better, but it's never super de duper great, but it's okay. Um yeah, we've got Zenthrop He's working for a bee farm doing something. Could you tell what kind of accent he was supposed to have? I think German. I thought it was German. I thought it was Irish. I thought it was (laughs) Russian. I couldn't. It's like my uh, when I'm doing character work and the voice always reverts to like New York guy. Yeah. (laughs) Given given enough time. Um, I think with a name like Zinthrop, he's supposed to be some kind of Eastern European. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he just kind of gets fired because he's not really doing anything with the bees. He's yeah, he's just doing, doing too research much wasp on royal stuff. jelly. <laughs> They're mad at him for doing wasp stuff. Which I, I going into this, I knew that the prologue was added after the fact, like in reshoots to like pad out the time. So I kind of started. I was like, okay, let me just for basically try and forget that happened and see if the movie like makes sense because it was whether it was there for context or just time reasons it's completely unnecessary it is so unnecessary so all of that just serves to say hey this guy's doing weird stuff with bugs and then 15 he's minutes got later, royal jelly and then he shows up to a pharmaceutical company later with the royal, royal jelly, jelly yeah. but like the prologue doesn't show anything to suggest that the royal jelly has either healing or evil characteristics to it so really doesn't help but we get uh, into a board meeting at Starlin Cosmetics, uh, fronted by uh, Miss Starlin. They say her name 100 times in this scene. It reminded me of the job scene in uh, <laughs> The Job or The Heist or the, the, the Good Heist Job or whatever that movie is called. The Good Heist Job. Nailed yeah. it. Um, yeah, so Miss Harlan's uh, kind of a washed-up baddie. She's the face for her own pharmaceutical company, or cosmetics company. I'm saying pharmaceuticals, but I should be saying cosmetics. 
Um, but uh, she's asking uh, her board members why uh, her profits are declining and uh, some Chad pushes her out of the way to explain that um, when they stopped using her face as the face of Starling Cosmetics, um, people had trusted her as the face for so long and uh, couldn't trust a new face. So uh, she has to be hot for, <laughs> but she's getting old. So she has to be hot for the company to uh, be successful and she's getting old and busted. Um, <laughs> still looks great. She still looks so good <laughs> because so the when other... they transfer her to looking hot and young again, all it is is she takes off her glasses and smiles more. Yeah, and has less wrinkles, like because <laughs> they did like minor old age makeup on her. Uh, also, they they mention kind of her age at a couple of times, not directly. Like they never say like, "Oh, Janice Starling is this years old," but there's a couple references to like her birthday and stuff like that. I did the math. She's like only 41 and they're acting like she's, I felt like it was implied. She's like 36. It's yeah. I mean, that's not far off, but yeah, it's the way they're acting. They're like, well, can't be young forever. Like she's uh, about to turn 70 and like can no longer be the face of this company. But I mean, I guess it's 1959 and they're just like 40 is you might as well be dead. I mean, you're saying it like it's ridiculous. These are beauty standards that well, still I, exist right now. It's <laughs> still ridiculous. Huh. Uh, the the coolest show is about hot 17-year-olds. <laughs> We're all in their 30s. Yeah. Sydney um, Sweeney's like 24. Whatever. That might as well be your 30s, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's washed up. She's <laughs> old and busted. Uh, Sydney, if you're listening, I don't mean that. <laughs> please please uh dm me directly don't risk dming max on accident through the podcast account um but yeah so th- this is all that board meeting all happens we've got a couple of people everyone gets up from the board meeting and leaves all their files on the desk yeah. <laughs> i thought it was really funny there's kind of this like b plot that i don't really think is like really worth mentioning of there's a wasp plot max not a b plot <laughs> okay. of uh Starling's like main secretary and a couple of the board members being like concerned about her with this whole like Zenthrop thing. So like they're kind of constantly like keeping an eye on her and everything that's going on. And then they're kind of the people that get killed at the end once they kind of get too close. But, uh, but their plot doesn't really do anything until they get killed. It's just a means to get them to being killed by a wasp. But, uh, yeah, Zenthrop shows up now. Yep, he's he, like he's got a miracle cure. I got, he wants to show her. I got royal jelly. I got uh, some guinea pigs. As as you mentioned, <laughs> I had to rewind this scene because I didn't understand what happened. But he's got some guinea pigs there. Both movies have guinea pigs, by the way. I should note that's yep. another reason they're twin films. <laughs> he's got the guinea pig. Injects it with a serum. It cuts away to their faces so they can switch it out. Cuts back in, and it's a beautiful, healthy rat, as if a guinea pig is an old-aged rat. rat. We, I, I guess the so one thing funny. we do see in the prologue, and maybe this is where they thought may, there could be some confusion, is uh, Xanthrop is showing somebody a two dogs, and it's like an adult like Doberman and then a Doberman puppy, and he's like, how old do you, like, which dog would you say is the older dog? Uh, and when they obviously say the adult dog, he's like, nope. Same age. I've injected them with wasp goo. Uh, this is what it's done. Um, 
So that's kind of like maybe where they tried to add some clarification in that they knew that they had a scene where guinea pigs turn into rats. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I don't know if people are going to fully understand what's happening here. Um, Corman, we love your guinea pig picture. You need to make one with giant <laughs> guinea pigs next time. I like those giant. No, they wouldn't even know guinea pigs. <laughs> we need those giant fucked up rats you had before. Yeah. They looked evil. Give me some of them adult rats. <laughs> I'm tired of looking at baby rats. Uh, so and then because in case she doesn't believe him, he does it again. Now we got two guinea pigs turned to rats. Great. Uh, uh, and Starlin's brought or bought fully in. Yeah, she She's starts like, taking the injections. Give me all the wasp goo you got. Everyone knows Zinthrop is weird besides her. She's just like so sold by his, I was going to call it snake oil, but it's working. So yeah, <laughs> it's just got evil side effects. Um, but uh, we start getting some hints that uh, it's got evil side effects. He injects a kitty cat. It gets young, um, but it gets evil and he, it attacks him and he kills it. Yeah. That was weird. Which is, I guess, the first foreshadowing of it. Right. He's he's warning against side effects the entire time. Right. I, but, uh, I yeah, do want to comment on one yeah. scene uh, that adds nothing other than that it's part of the like Secretary B plot. Is when the main secretary comes in to talk to some of the other secretaries, and the like hot one gets a phone call from some random dude, and uh, you can just hear one. They keep half talking of- about how her husband watches TV. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Because they're talking about him watching TV and how she, he's called her to ask if she's watched the two-eyed Dr. Cyclops movie on TV. And she ends up hanging up and being like, of course I've seen it. I've seen it twice already. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. It's directed by Roger Corman. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, we love you, Dr. Cyclops movie, but we think you should have two eyes. Uh, <laughs> just like... That scene basically boils down to, God, I, my dumb fuck, stupid ass husband called me to watch to ask if I've seen the movie we've seen three times already. But what they, a stupid idiot that they, guy they is! They keep talking multiple times about if how her husband is unhappy in their marriage because he watches TV and she says something along the lines of, "Well, you don't know he's watching it," and it's like, "Are you saying you fuck with the TV on?" <laughs> I don't really know if this is just weird fifties. No clue what's going on. I have no idea what they're talking about. I watch a lot of old movies. Like, I've watched plenty of movies from the 50s. Yeah. (laughs) Don't know what they're talking about in this one. They're just going on about stuff. I mean, that's just like... They're just like, we need scenes. We can't just have... I I will... Like, this seems as good a time as any to comment that I was, like, thinking about it. I'm like, both of these movies kind of have a problem with just, like, too many scenes... They both feel like they could easily have been 30-minute episodes of the Twilight Zone or something these, these like that. These feel like Twilight Zone episodes for sure. That just are just extended out. Yeah. stretched to 60 and 90 minutes respectively. Like A woman who's taken too much royal jelly. Imagine, if you will, a woman. It's Ben what? Shapiro. Yeah, you Ben Shapiro. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a woman who's overdosed on royal jelly. Her to pussy, feel younger? And her pussy can't get wet. <laughs> She's got the driest pussy. So she eats royal jelly. This is but too, it turns her into a wasp? This is too easy of an impression to do. So I feel like too many podcasts <laughs> do it. So I feel like we can't get on the slippery slope of <laughs> making fun of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> it's so easy. 
Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, all we've got now is we get we get some more B plot stuff. Uh, there's a scene where I don't really know what happens. It looks like Zinthrop walks into traffic on purpose. It's kind of yeah. just him walking home, and then he gets it's hit by a car. It's after he kills the cat. And I thought, because he looks like he's like dissociating or something as he's walking out. So I don't know if he was trying to kill himself because he believes he's brought this evil onto the world. Can't really tell, but this is around the same time where um she's hot now. Yeah. Like I said, she's just uh, uh, smiling and not wearing glasses. Basically. And everyone, everyone's saying things like, wowee. You look like you're 24. Oh, wooga. Yeah. Like, baby, let me take a bite out of your pussy. That's how they talked back then. <laughs> yeah. Very crass. <laughs> yeah, they were nasty. Um, there, There is that crass. For no reason, somebody shows up who's delivering a bed so Zinthrop can live at in the, the lab office. Or yeah. yeah. And uh, the guy delivering the bed is really sexually aggressive with the secretary for no reason, and he's not in the movie more. It's the same woman who's... Uh, Husband watches TV or yeah. doesn't. Um, He's like, hey, baby, you want to come over to my place and watch the three-eyed Dr. Cyclops? And she's like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, that's more like it, baby. Where do I put this mattress? <laughs> what are you talking about? What's going on? Um, uh, so they they have a long thing where they're tracking down Zinthrop. Which um, has a, the, a killer fucking song that is basically just a, like, three minute long xylophone solo yeah. the yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, the, that shit ripped the music in this movie is good mm -hmm. there's really good this is like classic like corman probably had an orchestra yeah, yeah, the, yeah. A, possibly a musical director that he's getting to make music to score the scenes and everything it, it sounds great um yeah, she's just getting more and more like frustrated and stuff because she needs her royal jelly injections. There's not much left. Mama so needs, she needs, to needs her fix. Um, they find him in a hospital. Uh, the doctor. Did you see who the doctor was? I did not. Uh, he plays hospital doctor. It's none other than Roger Corman, <laughs> and he, of course, is my guy of the week for this movie. Uh, he's looking uh, unrecognizably young and handsome. Um, he, he got like a real squinty eye thing in older age, uh, where he looked, uh, not white necessarily anymore. And in this, he looks like a, a tall, dark, handsome white man, dude. It's weird. Um, was any of what I said, should I've said any of that? What? We're going to leave it all in. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, what that Roger Corman started looking weird when he got older. Yeah, he started, but it's hot he, when he was <laughs> four years into his he career. He looks like an old Asian man when he gets older. Is what I'm implying. He starts <laughs> looking like George Takai uh, later in life. I don't know if I see that necessarily, <laughs> but I see, off. I see. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, he he lets Sinthrop uh, come to the office to be rehabilitated. Whatever. Uh, this is when we start getting wasp attacks, and my note here was, wow, the wasp suit is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I got all caps. Holy shit. The wasp <laughs> costume. It's just a mask and some fuzz gloves. Mm -hmm. It looks like, um, oh, I forget what they call it. It's like, in, they use it to make like, kind of like the, like the first like Wookiee costumes is just this like matte fuzz shit like you can buy it at like michael's it's like super yeah. cheap like they made a very like cheap those, set like, of gloves puffball, like pom-pom things that you would just like glue on to stuff yeah it looks, yeah, it looks really bad 
It also looks more like an ant than a wasp. I thought she looks like um, uh, Colt's little sister in the ant arc of Hunter Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, what a niche pull. <laughs> <laughs> works for you, though, right? Yeah. You get it? Um, at some point, there's a fat guy with a gun walking around who she I, kills. I think it's worth I guess he's a night watchman. I think it's worth mentioning, though, that this movie is an hour and six minutes long, like we've said. The Wasp Woman shows up with ten minutes left in the movie, kills three people, gets hit with acid, and then the movie's over. And that's basically, like, that's it. Yeah. I guess that's it, right? We don't really yeah. need to say more. Than a, it's, she she kills a couple of people. They figure it out. She's like eating them too, or something like sucking Maybe. on them. I, she yeah, just she like bites their necks there. and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of unclear. There's but literally, fly so literally, wasp, the guess, end but, of the movie is they're like trying to fight her off. Zinthrop shows up out of nowhere throws magically what I, recovered what i wrote yeah what i wrote down as anti-wasp juice uh, well you know what it was uh, it was some of that james bond piss oh james bond yeah <laughs> shout out to uh tomorrow never comes twice this again, again or, yeah. yeah never say never again i was close <laughs> um yeah uh and then that disorients her enough so that uh the secretary lady can hit her with something and make her crash out a window. Another parallel. It's like the end of dread. Yeah. When they throw mama, mama. out the window. Mama. Um, and then it just cuts to her on the ground dying and the movie's over and it's back to uh, that same image of bees. Well, yeah, it's like really weird though. Like a guy comes over and like looks at her and then looks up in, at the skyscraper and says, "Twas beauty killed the beast. Yeah, it'd be good if that happened. That, that doesn't, that doesn't so happen. In the, doesn't happen in the movie, but I wish it did. <laughs> I feel like late career Corman would have done something like that, but he's just he's no, he's not a reference work. guy like that. That's that's your Josh Whedon brain poisoning coming in. <laughs> Everything's got to be ironic and metatextual, and um, with the first person who see, sees the Wasp woman would have been like. Uh, so I guess we've got crazy killer wasp women now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fucking hack. Fuck Joss Whedon, dude. Am I the hack for making fun of Joss Whedon, or are you calling Joss Whedon a hack? You both are. It's both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I do make hack like jokes, making fun of Joss Whedon hack jokes. Uh, yeah. Wasp woman. I yeah, enjoyed it. Um. I like yeah, if I I think there's something really fun and nostalgic about this kind of movie. Yeah, because, like I said, this is like the movie that, when I was a little kid. Like I said, this is the kind of movie you would see someone watching, as like late night schlocky TV, yeah. and the movie like wasn't accessible to me itself, but like some cool stupid monster movie where it's just clearly like a slug on a miniature set and everybody cutting to people being scared. It, yeah, it's like shit. that kind of movie that I don't barely exists, but it's the shit they show on Elvira and yeah. like those kind of movies like last drive in, um, Sven If you're familiar with that, it's kind of like the third tier one. But, um, so if you have that really nostalgic urge to watch that kind of movie, I think there's definitely so watch that and watch plenty of Roger Corman stuff. Then, yeah. But 
if that's uh, too specific for you, which I'll understand, uh, you don't need to watch this one. <laughs> no, no greater meaning to be found here. No, there's no it's like, what if, if what if royal jelly made a woman evil? There's no like intrinsically uh, worthwhile like value. It's here. so disappointing how cool the cover looks. Oh my god, the cover is so sick. The cover looks so sick. It's right? a giant like it's a sixty foot wasp with a woman's head picking up a man. Yeah, picking up Freddie Mercury himself. And then, uh, and then yeah, she just has some fuzz hands. Yeah, <laughs> it looks it's like a so, fly. So funny, dude. Have you seen Matinee? Joe Dante's Matinee. No, a uh, great movie, but it's the same thing. John Goodman's like uh, this skeevy kind of uh, film producer selling his movie town to town. It's a movie called Mant about a man a ant. Man, man ant, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's the same. Like they build it up so cool, and then it just looks shitty. But I'll have to watch that. Oh man, Matinee is great. It's a Florida movie. It happens in the Keys. Ooh, um, during the Cold War. There's a lot going on in that movie. Okay, it's really good though. Um. Yeah, that's the wasp one. Yeah, let's take a little break. We'll talk about the fly. We're back. Talking the fly. This one's a classic. Uh, had you seen this before? No. I had not seen this before. Um, we've both seen... David Cronenberg's remake. Love Cronenberg's remake. A classic horror movie, classic body horror. Like, when you talk body horror, that's what maybe. It's at least in the first three movies you're going to say. Maybe just number one Probably movie you're going to say. Like, the best like representation of it. It, like, focuses on it, like, so... Like, the body horror is the entirety of the horror of the thing. It's, like, the entire movie in The Fly. Um, whereas in some other ones, it's like you get body horror, like aspects. It's just like, it is so prevalent and in your face the entire time. Uh, so yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, this one, I mean, still has like a, a younger fifties, uh, style of body horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie more than the body horror aspect is exposing the horror to the wife, uh, because that scream is, uh, I think the most quintessential memorable part of the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, just a little context. Uh, I already mentioned this is, uh, two years before, uh, Vincent Price works on house of Usher with Roger Corman, the guy who directed the other movie. Um, this is a year before, uh, house on haunted Hill which we already talked about as being the source material for House on a Hunt until, what, 99 or 2000 99, yeah. uh, that we talked about uh, with uh, Ryan in uh, Dub Wooled Scream Tour. Um, this movie, just, I mean, it looks better. This looks like a real movie as soon as we get in there. <laughs> I mean, it had, <laughs> it had like seven times the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say this movie is maybe too long, probably too long. Yes. Um, and I think it, both movies are too long. <laughs> honestly, and true. And the probably. Wasp movie's an hour long. <laughs> uh, this one's like more like an hour 40-ish. Um, and my big gripe is just I love Vincent Price so much, and you spend a good chunk of the movie without Vincent Price. He's just where, in our uh, frame narrative. Yeah, he's in the frame narrative when uh, she's telling 
the whole backstory, he appears real quickly as as if the brother who would come over. Pretty inconsequential early in ending parts of the movie. The chunk of the the middle of the movie is where it's everything is. Um, I I mentioned to you yesterday. I said something like, "Why the fuck is this movie French?" I do not have an answer for. Don't you. know. Everyone's French here. I found out in more interesting detail something I do not remember appearing in the text of the movie, but Wikipedia has this movie listed as taking place in none other than Montreal, Quebec, Canada. The Quebec? Ah, <laughs> uh, then Quebec, dude. They're uh, in Montreal. It is based on a a short story. Uh, by I'd a have to assume that's also from Montreal. Yeah. Because why else would this? Yeah, everybody has French names. Only one guy really speaks the French accent or anything. So the the author is George uh, Langelam, who was born in Paris, France. So I get, hey, write what you know. Whatever. I Which guess. is Vincent Price not even trying to do a French accent. Um, yeah, he's he's doing his Vincent Price there is, voice. There is one guy. If he wasn't, I'd be mad. Yeah, there is one guy not doing just a straight up transatlantic accent, and it is uh, the janitor, the caretaker, at whatever, whatever the, yeah. factory the two brothers own, yeah. Vincent Price and the uh, Andre is the brother, Andre and Francois. And uh, he is so French, he just sounds like he's got 30 marbles in his mouth. Yeah, he's like, a, he's like a classic French working class drunk guy, which yeah. is a great type of guy that you don't really see anymore. Because now we think of the French as like aloof and high class and whatnot. But the classic French drunkard is a great trope, I think. Yeah. Just like a falling apart nose, just destroyed on red wine constantly. <laughs> French guy. I love that. Um, this guy's not even drunk. I don't know what I'm talking so about. So, yeah, that's, he, that's he shows up. He greets a cat named Satan. He finds Andre's body crushed by a metal press. Uh, sees someone running away. He calls um, Francois, says, I think I saw Helena run away. Francois hangs up that phone call, gets a phone call from Helena, who says, I killed Andre, your brother. Francois hangs up that phone call, calls the police, hangs up that phone call, calls Helena back, calls the police back after the call to Helena, gets to the factory, they do a full investigation, and somebody specifically says... It's been 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it happened so quick. <laughs> and I was losing my mind. Because they were just like, the body's been dead for about 30 minutes. I'm yeah. like, if I, you called half of the fucking people in the Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> now it's been 30 minutes? What the fuck happened? Uh. Uh, another hilarious thing to me was they get there and they're like the body has is missing it's there's no head the head is completely pulverized to nothing and one of the arms completely pulverized to nothing and francois like that has to be andre <laughs> well they check his scar well he identifies the body first and because the detective is it's just like now wait a minute are you sure that's andre and yeah. francois like well, he's got a scar on his right leg. For like 30 seconds, the inspector has the idea that the two of them were in cahoots to kill someone else. And um, 
Vincent Price says, they believed in the sanctity of life. They wouldn't hurt anything, even a fly. And I wrote down a note. I said, no, Vincent, stop. You're giving away the movie. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, loved it, though. I, I mean, I love just if Vincent Price just turned to the camera and said that I'd be in ecstasy. And then um, another just insane thing from this uh, early going on that I wanted to comment on because I, I really do think the frame narrative is pretty meaningless. There's not really anything going on there that is worth noting. Only meaningful because Vincent Price is in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a couple like funny things from it. Uh, Helena gets up at one point to shoo a fly and she does like a full like cocked and loaded backhand slap of the fly. It's like full extension. Thought that was hilarious. And also the little uh, very unfringe looking child gets wine at dinner. Yeah, I wrote that down too. He's just eating with Vincent Price uh, because his dad's dead and his mom's like in her bed under lock and key as they're trying to figure out what happened. Um, But yeah, he's got milk and wine. And uh, I'm like, is he drinking wine? And then he takes the glass, takes a sip and goes, "Mm, this is good. Yeah. He's like a leave it to beaver style little fucking goofy kid. And then, <laughs> when everyone's supposed to be French. And then I don't I don't think this was like intentional, but it, it felt like because he had some wine, he started getting a little brave and drunk. Cause he starts going on and just like, Man, women really can't make up their minds, can they, mm-hmm. Uncle Francois? <laughs> Classic women. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, so uh, Francois figures out they're looking for this specific fly with a white head. Um, he claims to have it, which lures her into the sense of security to tell the whole story to uh, uh, Francois and to Inspector Chiras. Um So now we're back, uh, what, a month ago, a couple weeks ago, something yeah. like that. And she's explaining the events that led up to this. Um they never really set up that Andre was an inventor or anything and not just working on the textiles. They they own some sort of like electronics company that then like they have a factory that makes textiles or like machine presses and stuff like that. And that kind of I the impression that I got and this is through having to read into a lot of like subtext was that Francois is the face of the company and that Andre is the brains behind whatever mechanisms they were able to like invent to get them to where they sure. are. As we see both of their houses, they're clearly very rich. Yeah. They own um, a very famous, they're own- owners of a very profitable, famous company. Yeah. That's, that's all to say Andre has a huge lab where he's made successfully a matter transporting device. Um, two different boxes. One, it sucks up the matter. The other one, it shoots it to the other place. Um, he's made such strides. He's finally going to show it to his wife. Um, she immediately busts his whole shit wide open because he transports like a bowl or an ashtray or something. And uh, she points out that once it's been transmitted, uh, the writing on the bottom that says made in Japan is backwards. Um, he just tinkers for like half a scene in the background and he's fixed that now. <laughs> so, yeah. And he's like, now I'm ready to send a cat. 
Yeah, he sends he sends the little cat Dandelo. Oh, hello there, Dandelo. He says the name Dandelo so many times. It's really funny. Also, he he's the Vincent Price is just doing his normal speaking vi- voice, and somehow Andre is the person who sounds least French. Yeah, because it's just <laughs> it is classic nineteen fifties transatlantic accent of just. Now you see, honey, I've made a teleporting machine, yeah. and I'm going to transport this. You're doing too much radio personality voice, but, but he sounds but like he, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's not as like schmarmy about it, right. but he's he. It's that kind of. He's more like the fast talky style. Yeah, he's selling you a car. We got to put this dandelo here in this ins- in the. I already switched the Japanese bowl <laughs> back, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Um, so yeah, in insane person decides I'm going to do human testing. Might as well do it on the family cat. <laughs> Shoots Dandelo just into the ether. He yeah. explains it. Dandelo never comes back the other side. It's like in Willy Wonka when they shoot Mike TV and all his particles yeah. are just bouncing around the room. It's exactly the same thing. He even <laughs> describes it as being like television, <laughs> uh, but with like real matter. And, um, they- he explains it as she's like, when he tells, uh, Helena that he's, lost the cat or shot the cat into nowhere he's just like i don't know it's just cat particles floating around the room he has an insane line explaining it right after that he said it would be funny if life weren't so sacred and like what a thing to say (laughs) i just killed our cat it'd be hilarious if i hadn't have killed the cat Uh, um but uh he he says that he doesn't tell her about Dandelo until he's successfully transported the guinea pig. Mm-hmm. So he's he's proven his theory, like he can transmit life, and with some corrections and everything, he he can make it work. The guinea pig successfully transported. Um, he gives his wife the job of looking after the guinea pig for a month to make sure there's no ill side effects. And the um, I want to mention that the teleporting does look really really cool. It, you keep. You I think these, it's like, rotoscoped, these, like, right? Where it, yeah. it like explodes in like blue light or whatever. Yeah, um, we get rotoscoping shots looks so good. Dude. These like neon lights that are like part of the like transmission. Yeah, process they have to put on like weird sci-fi looking glasses. Looks, it looks really cool. Looks cool. Yeah. Uh, but then we see it thirty more times, and Too it's much. just padding out the runtime yeah. or something. I don't, like. I don't know if that was the goal. Don't but show me that shark. I don't want to see the shark. Um, <clears throat> but. This is like we're moving at like a very brisk pace, and it's right now that the movie like screeches to a halt and just becomes like okay. Well, after he turns into a fly monster, we get the one yeah. the one scene that I love because she comes down there and notices that like a note has been passed underneath the door, and it's him kind of explaining that like, hey, if you can't like don't come in here, something bad. Something There's been a happened. terrible accident. My life is now in your hands. Yeah, like, and he's I trying need to a explain, saucer of milk laced with rum. Yeah, uh, <laughs> trying to explain kind of like the next steps. He's like got this like kind of logical plan. And when she finally comes into the thing, the imagery, if it was in like a more modern, like atmospheric, moody or like horror movie and not the 50s, it would look so fucking horrifying, I think, which it's when she comes into the lab, friend, or uh, Andre is just standing in the like back corner, kind of like behind the door. And it pans over and you see him and he's just standing there in his like suit and trench coat, one hand in a pocket and just this like black shawl like 
sheet over his head just standing there unmoving until she clears the room and he just kind of like slowly moves over to a desk and like sits down uh really really cool little spooky looking yeah scene love it um we get our first scream there because the uh uh fly arm slips out from under the trench coat briefly um but that's not the only scream we can get just wait um so he doesn't explain fully what's happened yet has she he just trusts her to have to go catch the fly with the white head yeah he's he's she's already let out there's a whole thing about philippe their son catching flies and she's mad about it yeah it's and then we spend probably like 10 minutes looking for just before the accident one scene before the accident andre says i am just so happy to be alive (laughs) <laughs> classic uh like dewey cox ain't nothing horrible gonna yeah. happen today uh i love it but yeah it's it's after this like when they're like kind of he's slowly doling out information we get like it felt like it was like 15 minutes of looking for flies yeah this is when it gets really boring because everybody's just looking for the fly with the white head i mean as an experienced viewer we know obviously that he a fly got into the transmitter they scrambled their atoms up so the fly has part of his genetic data on it his head and arm and he's got the fly's head and arm i guess they the plan is to get them back do it again and hopefully that will reset them but i don't know why they think that instead of it would just meld them further yeah but there's there's also the classic like it's it's too tread territory to even talk about that like why would its genetic material fuse into his but not like his clothes or bacteria on his skin or like why wouldn't the hair on his head shoot down to his feet or like inside (laughs) his stomach or whatever like it doesn't make any sense but it's fine you get it yeah yeah and uh they can't catch the fly so helene just like oh who can't catch the fly is there anybody else looking for the fly with them uh there's like their maid lady oh yeah uh, emma they're they're made played by kathleen kathleen freeman my guy of the week for this movie and my guy of the week in general this week she won once uh for uh playing joe dirt's foster mother in the joe dirt episode but of course she's microwave marge in gremlins to the new batch <laughs> love it that Corman Joe Dante connection, I can't, I can't pass this. Can't get up. away from it. Much younger than I've ever seen her um, in this movie, but she's got like three hundred acting credits. She's mostly does voice work and stuff, but uh, uh, I don't, I don't know if she's still with us or not. But she's uh, in the Blues Brothers. Yeah, it's one of the nuns. All kinds of stuff. Really Other small things. Tons and tons of like cartoons, kids' cartoons and stuff, doing voice work. Um, she has an interesting voice, I think. But well, good for her. Uh, you're back, baby. Um, <clears throat> they don't find the fly. Helena's like, well, what if you just teleport yourself? That'll fix it. It doesn't. I don't know why she thinks that that would fix it. I don't know. I, d- I really, really don't make know. any sense, but his faculties are failing him. Like his ability to reason is going. Um, we do a slight amount of like evil hand real quick. The classic evil hand trope, yeah. where uh, which we saw in Doctor Strangelove, uh, talked about a month or two ago. Um, 
a, a classic uh, idle hands situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's worried that uh, like he'll have to stop the evil hand from like strangling his wife. He has to stop the fly hand. So uh, he's he's worried his time is up. He can barely think reasonably. Um, and that's when uh, he finally takes off the his cowl and uh, shows her his full fly head. We get the iconic scream from the movie cover and then the even more iconic like crazy scream face seen through hundreds of fly eye particle whatever yeah uh it is so good um that's what'll stick with you from this movie not in like a scary way but just like man this is fucking great this is good good stuff um it's on the cover so it's nothing to like spoil really but i guess we just spoil the whole movie every time anyway <laughs> Um, man, it's, it's so good. It looks so good. I, I, yeah, I love that part. Um, but then, yeah, it's too late now. She has to kill him. <laughs> yep. So they do the hydraulic press. Uh, his arm slips out when she crushes his head. So she shoves his arm in there too, crushes him again. And, uh, that's when the beginning of the movie started. Yeah. And then we've got back, uh, Shiraz is like, oh, well, we're going to have to take her in. She won't hang, but she'll need uh, like a doctor's care forever. And yeah. he's he's gonna call this murder by insanity. Yeah. yeah, Francois is like, well, maybe I can find the fly. Uh, he can't. Charles is, is like, yeah, this is science fiction bullshit. I don't believe this, yeah. but the only way uh, this would hold any weight is if you can show me that fly. So he goes trying to find it. He tragically is on a bench next to where the fly is caught in a spider's web, but he can't hear the fly screaming for help. Help because, me, help me. The bell tower is tolling 10 rings as he sits there and counts them because Shiraz said he'd be back at 10. Uh, and then, yeah, as they're about to take her away, little Philippe runs in and says, Daddy, I knew Daddy. I saw the white fly in the spider's web. Uh, and so they run out there. And yeah, Shiraz freaks out. Seeing the spider looks so bad. There's just like oh, clearly God. like a dollar store plastic like spider, cray yeah. paper spider. Yeah, it looks like shit. Well, the guy, the fly like thing is like clearly just like superimposed yeah. like green screen yeah. or not. I mean, they didn't have green like screen. Double but, exposured yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. How they did. I guess it's probably a pretty impressive effect for the time, but it doesn't look. It looks good. goofy as yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in a fun way. And yeah, he's sitting there screaming, help me, and uh, Shiraz freaks out and just crushes them both with a big-ass rock. Don't know why he did that, Mm -mm. but then he sits down, and Francois explains to him... He's, like, losing his shit, too. Like, he's just like, oh, God, what the fuck did I just see? Like, (laughs) you fucking kidding me? It's a fly man? Um, Francois calmly explains he's just committed the same crime that she did. He killed... uh, Now you see, Shiraz. She she killed... uh, Yeah, she killed... um, a uh, man with a fly's head. You just killed a fly with a man's head. You guys are guilty of the same crime. Yeah, what you gonna do um, about it, so Shiraz, let's, huh? Let's just fucking call this suicide. It'll be a wash, dude. Yeah, that's what Shiraz does. Vincent Price is basically like it's it's more kind of like frantic, but he's basically just sitting there and it's just like the way I see it, it's the same thing. I think I think maybe Andre uh, committed suicide. Yeah, that's the thing. And <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the ticket. I'm the one that forgot to reset the press and that takes care of the stroke count and what do you say Shiraz and he's like yeah yeah suicide 
and uh and then they get up yeah and they live happily ever after the next scene is uh philippe and helena playing what is that croquet croquet yeah and philippe gets taken to the zoo yeah he's going to the zoo um yeah, I don't know, man. It's a reasonably <laughs> happy ending, considering his dad's dead. I mean, that's it. It ends up fine, I guess. Um, followed up with two sequels: uh, Return of the Fly, also starring Vincent Price, and then uh, uh, that was fifty fifty nine. Like so year. A, a year later, later. flies fifty eight. Yeah. Um, and then they made Curse of the Fly in sixty five, which did not star Vincent Price, and I assume is really bad. <laughs> did not receive its home video premiere until 2007. What the fuck? Jeez. Didn't did not receive a videotape, laser disc, or online release. It must have been like light theatrical only. Oh, even on the cover of it, it's like clearly a double feature. You can see Devils of Darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other... two two movies. It's sharing the uh, poster with everything. But I uh, have not seen either of those. But uh, a movie, of course, had a. Uh, Excellent, excellent. Um, was it like '86? Um, David Cronenberg remake. Uh, Jeffrey Goldblum and um, uh, not Sigourney Weaver, the other one. It looks like her. What's her name? Thelma mm, uh, and Louise. What is it? Gina Davis? Gina Davis. I I always confuse Sigourney Weaver and uh, Gina Davis, but um, Which yeah, is, the remake got its own sequel too. Yeah, I never saw that. Fly but, too. Um, I definitely recommend the fly. Is uh, w- once again that like classic, classic golden age movie is really fun to me. This one's good enough, even though it's yeah. too long without Vincent Price. But the Vincent Price parts are the worst part of the movie. Um, if if it weren't for him, but uh, classic and definitely watch the Cronenberg movie. It fucking rips. Yeah, it's so good. It just is see, very good. just see Jeff Goldblum, uh, get fuck crazy. While his body melts, Andy, yeah, I love watching him eat, <laughs> melting that stuff down, yeah, melting all that goo down. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I, I would recommend watching both movies if you have the time. I don't. You don't necessarily. I mean, the Fly, the the original Fly is a classic. Like, especially since it got the remake, that is extremely well received. Um, but I would, I would say, go ahead and watch both of them. Why not? They're they're both. You can get some stuff out of them. Uh, Dan, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week we're going to be watching. I think it's 2018 and 2019. Um, two movies about uh, uh, women engaging in organized crime because their uh, husbands are absent or in jail or killed. Um, it's uh, The Kitchen and Widows. Yeah, I watched The Kitchen last night. Oh, Pretty that's bad. All I'll say. <laughs> Uh, I, I haven't seen either one yet. I the one thing I was I didn't realize it was based on a DC comic book. Series. The kitchen is the kitchen is based on a comic book oh. series. The widows or widows is the one that looks good. Widows looks pretty good. Yeah, I'll try and really look, good cast. I'll try and look up more about the uh, the comic and have some info on that uh, when we come back next week. But for now, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here and uh, supporting us. You can continue to do so by following the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Doubled Feature and Doubled Feature, respectively. You can also send an email to doubledfeaturepodcast at gmail.com. 
You can like, subscribe, rate the podcast, wherever you can do all, all of those things. Five stars only. Leave reviews. Do all that. Thank you very much. You can also follow Dana and I on uh, Letterboxd and Twitter. Dana's at Dana Jankum. I am at Mac underscore dead. I'd like to thank Ryan at Ryan Laser on Twitter for our theme music. And Sam at Hero Institute for our logo. You can also read Sam and I's webcomic we do together at NerdsDay, NerdsDay.com. Uh, thank you. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, before my final, final thought... <laughs> yeah. um, I haven't done one in a while. Um, I'm gonna say hi of the week between the Wasp Woman and the Flyman. Oh, um, I'm talking the monster forms. Yeah, um, of course. I'll also include the f- white-headed fly with the man's head. Um, I'm going to pick here uh, the Wasp Woman, uh, s- pretty much solely because I'm sexually attracted to women, um, okay. and also because she's clearly wearing a suit. So you could just take that yeah, off just if, a lady. if the wasp stuff. She's a lady in an outfit. And she was pretty good looking, even even before she took a royal jelly to get hotter. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's been uh, the bug movies. Uh, just like to say, buzz, buzz, putty sauce, give them the claw. Yeah.